Mitchell with a cut gem of a performance against Orlando. The Jazz score a 109-96 victory against the Magic. And Utah makes it five in a row. Winners of 10 of the last 11. And Utah continues the stellar play in the new year. This is Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. J.P. Chunga ahead of matchups against the Pelicans and Knicks this week. Charlotte on Friday, two on the homestand, and then they go out on the road for an Eastern Conference swing as well. We'll get into that and also discuss the league at large in the Western Conference, at least, with Mo Dakil of the Bleacher Report and the Athletic Podcasts. You won't want to miss that because Mo brings up a great story about Joe Ingles and his work as a video coordinator with the Australian national team. But looking at Saturday, 8-27, heading into the fourth, finish 8-13 of 13 in that final quarter. At one point, George Niang went for a heat check shot. In the entirety, it was a heat check game for the Iowa State Cyclone. 15 points, 5 of 8 shooting from deep. The masterful performance came from Donovan Mitchell, where he goes for 32 on 14 of 21 from the field, hitting those mid-range shots. Only two turnovers on the night, six assists to add to his playmaking abilities. It's never good when in the first six minutes, Joe Ingles is already blowing a kiss to the crowd. Just a little perspective on Donovan Mitchell, who continues to make his case for an all-star bid, and he did it in that matchup on Saturday. He's 10th in the Lincoln scoring with 25.1, one of 11 players to be averaging above 25 points per outing. He's improved his decision-making over the last couple of weeks with Mike Conley out. Four assists per game, 36% from three. Donovan continues this type of trajectory. He might even be a lock for the All-Star game coming up in Chicago. Utah Jazz make it very easy on you to vote for Donovan Mitchell. Just check us out, utahjazz.com, to get him into the game. Utah just continually playing better and better. Rudy Gobert, 8 points, but 17 rebounds and 4 assists. That Orlando team changes when they don't have Jonathan Isaac out there and the defense gets a little bit different. However, that team had beaten the Heat the night before in Orlando. It's the second day of a back-to-back, so a little excusable. It came down to shot-making in the fourth quarter, and Donovan Mitchell continuing to show if this is the growth that he's on, if this is the level that he's playing at, this squad is a tough team to beat. Utah showed it. A very good victory on the road. Jazz improved that road record to above 500. They're 10-9 away from home and have a shot to notch it in the right direction a little bit more against New Orleans tonight. They got the Pelicans in the Smoothie King Center. Derek Favors will play his former club for the first time in the regular season. Derek is, is like a he's like a brother, you know, we've been together for since I got here. So what's gonna be a battle, you know, he's, he's playing great. They haven't won a lot of games lately, but uh, they, they, every game they play is, is a close game and we know that it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle. Wasn't able to make the trip on the return leg from that preseason bout that they had going back to November, but he's available today. And Derek continues to be a Stabilizing force, averaging 23 minutes a night, 8 points, 10 rebounds, 
veteran presence for the young team that he is around with Brandon Ingram, who's playing on fire, Lonzo Ball doing the same, and potentially Zion Williamson coming back in the next couple of games. They're finding the right outlook on things. Winners of five of the last six might get thorny tonight because they don't have Drew Holiday. He's listed as questionable with a left elbow contusion. Picked it up the last game that they were out there. This could potentially be a dangerous team because Brandon Ingram won the Western Conference Player of the Week award. And he's posting career-high numbers. 25 points a game, 7 rebounds, shooting 40% from 3. That's the type of potential that people saw in Los Angeles that got him dealt for the great talents of an Anthony Davis. Balls ticked it up over the last three games. He's got 24, eight assists, six rebounds, two steals, while shooting 42% from three. Utah's advantage over the entire season has been its ability to beat on these teams 18-3 and three against the below 500s. That's better than everybody above them in the standings except the Lakers. Utah's performed well in these type of scenarios. Then New York comes into the Viv on Wednesday. They might have turned the corner in the game since David Fisdale's been ousted. They have won six of their total 10 games. 4-18, worst offensive squad in the NBA, 6th worth defense, and then since, they are the 19th best offense and 15th best defense. It's been a product of unlocking Julius Randle and allowing Marcus Morris to be the audition for teams to watch and to scout as he might be a potential guy who's going on the trade market. One-year deal, a shooter, hitting 46.9% of his threes, Averaging 19 points. Went for 38 against the Clippers last night. Morris can continue this. He could be a good audition for uh, other teams. Let's let you listen to Mo Dakiel of Bleacher Report and of The Athletic. He goes into what the Jazz are looking at once Mike Conley comes back because of that is the huge question looming over this team and how we got into basketball. That's where we start our conversation Check us out, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Here's Mo DeKeel on what got him into basketball. I kind of fell into it all by accident. Um, listen, always loved basketball as a fan, as a kid growing up. Obviously wanted to be a player, but as for most of us, uh, I didn't quite reach the talent level I needed for my current height, which is, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and on a very good day, six feet if somebody's not paying attention. Um, but the, uh, you know, it just wasn't good enough, all that stuff. Just a fan, enjoyed the game, then went to junior college in Los Angeles and ended up working for the basketball team. They're really just starting out as a hobby. And to be honest, man, I just got bit by the bug. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. I want to be working with teams. I want to, you know, front office or a coach position, whatever. I was all in from that point on. So um, just worked the ranks, transferred from there to actually University California, Irvine, and then transferred from there again to USC, uh, both times working for the basketball team. And then from there, I had an opportunity to, to work with Neil O'Shea in a summertime kind of 
player development sort of helping guys out kind of role. And Neil eventually worked his way up the Clippers organization and he brought me in and that's, you know, I was an intern for the Clippers and, and, and worked through all that stuff, ended up in San Antonio for two years. Uh, that's where I met Brett Brown and ended up with, uh, got to go work with Team Australia for three years. Uh, so obviously that's where I started to work with Joe Ingles and, and got to know him pretty well. Uh, and then returned back to the Clippers. And after, you know, Doc's first year, it was uh, time for me to call it as a FDA career and, and now I'm focusing on writing. What has that transition been like for you? We'll get to that Joe Ingles story in just a moment, but what has the transition of going from being on the front office or in the back room side of things to now being a member of the media? Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, you know, and, and, and part of it is learning the media world, right? Learning the different landscape of things and, and how things work. And, you know, anytime you change industries or, or, or flip sides, you know, it, it, it takes a while to adjust, but you know, the, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, you know, one thing that's for sure, it's a, a lot less stressful and I'm getting a lot more sleep than I used to. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in this, in this role and you know, you, you tend to just see things a little bit differently when you look at it from like the, the media lens and then just focus totally on the, on the team aspect. You know, when I was with those teams, all I cared about was the Spurs or all I cared about was the Clippers and, you know, who our next opponents were and what we needed. I didn't, you know, you pay attention to the league, but you're not as locked in because you just don't have that ability or that, that bandwidth with the amount of work we have. So you're not able to be able to talk about any team. I can't jump on a podcast and talk about Charlotte or whatever, because unless I've played them recently, I don't have that much. I haven't paid that much attention to them. So, you know, I think it's allowed me to kind of get a better view of the league working on the media side. What were those late nights? How long would you be up looking at tape or, or making cut-ups for, uh, for the team? I mean, there have definitely been times, both with the, the Clippers and the Spurs, where I've slept in the office, you know. Um, there have been times where I've, you know, especially in San Antonio with the time difference and you know, we could finish a game in San Antonio and the West Coast games are, are still going or I'll go back to the office after a game and have to break down a, a, a game, you know. So it's a it's – a, uh, the room – the video room job is a tough job. It, it requires many hours because just you got to compile all these things. So, you know, there are times where I've been there as late as 2 in the morning or like I said, you know, I just took a quick nap somewhere in the training room maybe or, or – or snuck on a couch that I probably wasn't normally allowed on uh, for a quick nap and then uh, ready to roll for, for the next day. So uh, it's a grueling job, man. Does the job change from working for Team Australia to working for the Spurs or the Clippers? Yeah, you know, it was to be honest, that was one of the harder experiences, really because we didn't have a team facility. You know, I'm doing everything out of my hotel room. Uh, a funny story is, you know, I brought a editing box with me on on in my very first day in San Antonio, or excuse me, in in Australia. You know, I plug it into the power outlet and don't pay attention to recognizing the different wattages and that there's, you know, I need a, a switch or a converter. <laughs> yeah. Um. So of course, 
without paying attention, I turn it on, and what happens? Power out. I get a little smoke comes out of the the back of the the fan, and and I basically just sort of uh, blew it up and broke it. So now I'm carrying a dead machine for you know about two months in Australia because uh, it's, it's it's useless and it's hard to get a, a power source uh, shipped out. So um, you know you kind of have a almost it was like video room working but camping at the same time. So you know I kind of had to be very resourceful with how I did things and. You know, it added more time to the process. Um, Obviously, now the technology is a little better. I think I'd probably be able to do things a little bit differently. But this was, you know, 2010 to 2012. So, you know, I was just kind of learning as I was going through all of this stuff and dealing with everything. So it was certainly a challenge, but, man, I loved every bit of it. What have you made of of Joe's development from – coming into the league, having to fight for his spot with the Jazz, and then now to where he is playing really spectacularly at the moment. Yeah, it's really amazing. You know, it was funny. Um, During the 2012 Olympics, I'm currently with the Clippers and and Brett's with Australia, and we're sitting in the locker room after a game, and I can't remember which game. And we both just looked at each other and said, like, Joey's an NBA player, yeah? Like, you know, at this point, he's playing for FC Barcelona. He's looking great, and he, he, he looks like he could hang with everybody. And I'm just, you know, Brown and I are both looking at each other like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's an NBA player. And then you kind of see the two of us just immediately run to another room, both to call our front offices. <laughs> to be like, yo, is there any way we can get Joe Ingles? Um, you know, so we were, we were kind of trying to jump on board in that in that way. And I think the way just the contracts worked out, at least with the Clippers, there was really no financial advantage for Joe to leave FC Barcelona that year to, to come to the NBA. Like he would lose quite a bit of money. I mean, we're not talking like a little, like he would lose quite a bit and it just wasn't worth it to him. The next year or, uh, uh, yeah, or two years later, he ends up, uh, coming over and actually was with the Clippers for training camp. But this is also, right after I've left the team. So I'm no longer around, and now Joey's with the, the the Clips. And, you know, that towards the end of the camp, they had an injury, and they, they wanted to keep an extra point guard on, on the floor so or on the roster. So they, they waved Joey, and the, the Jazz were smart enough to pick him up. And, man, I mean, he's blossomed. This is this is the guy we, we saw in Australia that we thought, you know, hey, this guy's an NBA player. Now, he's obviously developed a lot more since then, and, and has become a lot better, but this is the guy like we thought he could be. And, you know, this is, it's, it's not a surprise to me, you know, him becoming a, a playmaker and sort of developing it and, and really helping to run the offense and just his toughness in general. Like it's not a shock at all to me that he's been able to hang and, and, and not just stick in the league, but thrive and, and do really well for himself. So I think uh, I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm excited, man. What have you made of the Jazz as a whole? He he plays de facto point guard sometimes when Donovan Mitchell is out of the lineup and he's with reserves. What have you made of the entire uh, team as they played through this year? Yeah, you know, it's been an adjustment for the team. I mean, there's a lot of new pieces and a lot of new faces that had to kind of work things out. I think, um, you know, some people had them as a dark horse to make the finals you know, by adding Connolly and, and Bogdanovich to really help the offense and really kind of blow it all open. And there's no question that they have that ability. I mean, we haven't seen 
the best of Mike Connolly yet. And obviously now with the injury, it's it's been a while. But I think they have that ability, and I think that was something they were really missing in last year's playoffs against the Rockets. Because I know that they get killed for the, the defensive game plan they had put in, but that wasn't really their biggest problem. Their biggest problem was they just couldn't score. And, you know, it was too much on Donovan to, to have to do everything. So I think getting those guys to help out, in addition to also make things easier for Joe, it's 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 opened things up for them. And, you know, it's been a slow start to the season, you know, but they've picked it up as of late. They've won nine of their last ten. I think they're in the top five in offensive rating in those last ten games, I think at around like 114. Um, I think normally they're around like, 106 or something like that just for the season but they're beginning to rise and they're beginning to kind of find a groove now it'll get a little more interesting when Connolly comes back because I think some of this jump that we've seen is having angles back in the starting lineup so now it becomes a question of what do you do when uh Connolly comes back and I think that's something that that, that coach Snyder is going to have to figure out but it's always better to have the this type of problem of like what do we do when our when another good player comes into the fold and, and is healthy and able to play. So um, it's a good problem to have for the, the Jazz, but it's just one that they're going to have to really try to figure out. What offensive tweaks have you seen from Coach Snyder from last year where he has two bigs that are playing on the floor for a majority of the time to now where it's just Rudy Gobert as the major big and then they're playing a lot more spread pick and roll? Yeah, I think it's you know, kind of going – you know, from three out and two in to, to four out. And I think it's, it's, it's been an adjustment and stuff, but it's also to allows them to take advantage of it. Cause when you're able to spread the floor, look, you know, Ingles can put it on the floor. Uh, we, we know Mitchell can put it on the floor, obviously, and Connolly. and you have Bagdanovich who can also put it on the floor. So like when Mitchell comes off those screens and if a team sucks in on those Gobert rolls, you know, you kick it out to Bagdanovich, even if they close out on him, He's got that ability to drive drive those closeouts and, and attack the paint. And I think that opens up even more things for the team. So it's it's been a tweak for Coach Snyder. It's a new adjustment. It's something different. But it's working. And, and these things take time. You know, this this whole process, you know, takes the entire season. It's 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 like baking a cake. You know, he's he's mixing the ingredients now and you gotta put it in the oven when it's ready to go and you just gotta let it rise. You can't you can't sort of expect it to happen quickly. And I think these are the things we're seeing within this team that, you know, that can really help them in the playoffs, especially, you know, on the offensive end. Cause you know, their defense is always going to be there. You have Gobert on the floor, man, you're, you're going to be in good shape, right? Like he's just such a, a, a defensive powerhouse. That's why he's in contention every year for defensive player of the year. If he doesn't win it, he's finishing second or third, but he's right there in the mix. And it's always a close vote. So I think those are the things. It's just kind of figuring out the offense and, and opening it up. And now it's going to be key to figure it all out when Connolly comes back. How can you manipulate this and, and really make this work? Because it is tough, too, when you have four guys on the court that all need to have the ball in their hands to be productive. And that's where, it gets to, that's where the challenge is. And I'm not sure if the Jazz have totally nailed that just yet. How have you viewed Donovan Mitchell in his year three in the NBA? Yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's, listen, he's a lot better than he was last year, and he's, he's working his way in, it, through that process. You know, I think the, 
expectations after his rookie year to his sophomore year were probably unfair. Um, and, it, and, and, you know, it's not to say like, you know, you anticipate a step back or anything like that, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't, the leap doesn't happen right away. I think, you know, the thing I like to say a lot of times is development's not linear. It's not just a straight line that trends upward. It's like the stock market, man. It jumps up and down, you know, sometimes it just goes up a little bit then drops quite a bit and then kicks up a notch, a, a huge notch and all of that. It's, it's, it's one of those things I think it takes time to develop and, you know, work through it. And I think Mitchell's been good. You know, he's he's got areas where he's got to work on. He's got to improve. He's improved as a playmaker, but I think everything can be always better, right? Like that's just greedy of us as coaches and in, in, in what we want. But shooting 36% from three, that's obviously a positive. You know, 25 points a night is big for this team. I think the area where, you know, he's doing a good job and has kind of improved is, is cutting down on turnovers. But I'd like to see the assist total go up a little bit more. But part of that, too, is having so many other guys that can create and play make. The ball is not necessarily in his hand all the time, and it doesn't stick. I think that's when they get into problems. When the ball sticks into one person's hands, they tend to run into issues. Looking at the entire West, where do you figure this team ends up in the Western Conference? I mean, man, the West is kind of weird this year. Uh, it's it's pretty tight right now. They're tied for fifth, but they're only you know a a, a game out or, or a game and a half. Oh no, a game out of second place. I mean they're they're right in the mix of things. And to be honest, you know looking at their schedule, I mean they got six more games that they can eat. You know that I can look at and go like, wow, they can run, they can win all six of these games against teams that are probably not going to make the playoffs for the most part, both in the West and East. So you know, they have a chance to really kind of build and continue to grow. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, even despite the slow start, that they're going to finish, you know, second or third in the West and have a, uh, you know, first round, maybe even a second round home court advantage. You know, some of these teams like the Clippers who are kind of taking the the, uh, the regular season, I don't want to say off, but they're, they're, they're kind of taking it a bit easy for them. They just want to make the playoffs and they're, they're going to be straight, but you know, they're in that situation where they can really kind of climb and and win. And they're right there in the mix with Houston, with Dallas, with Denver. I think they can hang with any of those teams. We'll touch on the two LA teams in just a moment. What have you noticed from that second grouping with Denver, with Houston and Dallas? You know, the the biggest thing is consistency. You know, there's, there's these teams, you know, they have a, they'll win four or five games and then lose, take a bad loss. I mean, just the other day, Denver losing, I mean, Denver losing to Washington, you know, we've seen Sacramento, um, excuse me, we've seen Houston have losses against Sacramento and a loss against Golden State on Christmas day. You know, like we've seen them drop some of these games where you're like, these are games you have to win and stack in the bank. And I think it's just a consistency thing. You know, the team that's going to be most consistent from here on out, and this, and basically, almost the second half of the season is the one that's really going to be able to climb in the in the, in the West standings. And I think, you know, the the Jazz, you know, once they get to full health, they got to. I, I, I'm sorry, I know I keep banking on the same thing, but they got to figure this out once they get Connolly back. But they got to be able to find a way to put this together and go on these runs and and, 
and continue what they're doing now. Like Connolly can't come back into the lineup and then their offense drops. You know, like I said, they're at 114 offensive rating right now in the last 10 games. It can't drop down to like 105 because Connolly comes back. You know, like it's got to be able to stay consistent and, and, and bring him along and, and, and move forward. So I think the key for me for the second tier is it's wide open, and that's why the team that's most consistent that can bank the wins against the bad teams is going to be in a pretty good shape come playoff time in terms of seedings and, and, and series matchups and whatnot. What's made the Lakers so consistent uh, so far through the start of this year? You know, part of it is they're banking the wins against bad teams. Um, it hasn't looked pretty as of late, uh, but, you know, they're, they're letting some of these teams back into the, the mix. But they're they're getting wins against teams they're supposed to beat. Like, I mean, I can't, I don't even know how, if they have that many bad losses. I, I almost want to say there's something like 14 and two or something against these other teams. And I, I think they've struggled against the upper echelon teams. You know, we saw them get destroyed by uh, Milwaukee the other night. They've lost both their games against the Clippers. I think, you know, the Jazz pose, pose problems for them. I think, you know, we haven't even seen them against Houston yet. We've seen Dallas give them a hard time. I mean, they have two wins against Dallas, but really Dallas blew one of those games. I mean, really they should have two losses against Dallas. So, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do against the teams they're supposed to be, and that's why they've kind of almost pushed themselves into that upper echelon. But they got to figure out how to beat some of these good teams, too, to, to, to keep it going because, you know, the schedule's been a bit favorable at this point, and it's going to get a little tougher for them. 20-0 and 0 against teams below 500 for the Lakers and 9-7 and 7 for... Thank you. That's, see, you're, you're better at being prepared than I am. It, it's okay. Uh, but And then the Clippers, uh, Doc had an interesting pregame quote about the state of his team. Uh, you already mentioned how it's not as if they're not taking the regular season uh, seriously, but they understand that it's all about the postseason for that club. How can they navigate through the rest of the campaign still trying to qualify as one of those top teams out West? Yeah. You know, I honestly, I think they need to start looking at themselves in the mirror. You know, they're acting like a flip the switch team and I'm going to be honest, they haven't done anything to deserve to be a flip the switch team. They haven't won anything yet. You know, Montrez Harrell said it uh, after they got destroyed by Memphis. I mean, Memphis put 140 points on them in a route, uh, on Saturday, and you know, Trez kind of just said, it. "We're not a great team. We're not that team. We can't just come in and expect everybody to roll over. We can't think that we're going to have everything we need, and and we can just show up." And I think that's becoming a problem for them. And you know, there were a lot of things that were alarming this weekend. I I don't think it got enough play, but the fact you know, Doc said in a in the post game press conference. You know, he doesn't even know the identity of his team yet. Like, that's that's a bit alarming, at least for me. Maybe he can be zen about it and calm and cool about it. But for me, I'd be a little bit scared. Um, and maybe that's also why Doc Rivers is an NBA head coach, and I do podcasts and write for a living now. Um, <laughs> but I think that's something that's a, a concern, you know, as we're moving forward. And I think, you know, they might need to look at, changing their mindset here a little bit in terms of like we're, we just need to be able to make the playoffs and, and we'll be good, you know, cause they're building some habits that aren't that good right now. 
and I think that's an issue when you go to the playoffs. You can't just expect those habits to change. As anybody who's working on their New Year's resolutions, takes time, man. You it, 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 you got to to change a bad habit to a good habit takes a long time, and it's very difficult in the NBA to do it uh, in season. So this is something that I think the Clippers might need to start taking a look at and start sort of refocusing their efforts here. And, and, and start trying to put a little more into the play into the regular season before they get to the playoffs. It will be interesting come playoff time, and and the postseason in the NBA is always a fun one to watch. He writes for Bleacher Report. You can listen to him at the Athletic Back to Back Pod, the Daily Ding, where you can also catch him. He's a former video coordinator in the NBA, Mo Dakil <laughs> on UtahJazz.com. Mo, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for having me, man.